when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, doing good, then old Willie Taggart, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Anyone that missed it, Willie Taggart fired, didn't even make it two years. And I think the biggest shocker there, Shane, we'll dive more into this in a minute, but uh, I'm just shocked that Willie's gone before old Chad Morris. <laughs> I am too, man. I am too. Not 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 two full seasons, you know. He's already out. Uh, he's even got more victories than uh, Coach Morris at this moment. So I was surprised with that. And I, honestly, my first take was that uh, Florida took another L this weekend, Mike, because I think they liked Willie being down there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's start right there, Shane. We got a lot of action to get into due to the big game in the SEC East. Georgia beat the Gators in Jacksonville 24-17. And I think for the most part, this game lived up to the hype. I know this was your lock of the week, Shane. You fought a 1-10 on those. Sorry about that. Just had a feeling, man. That line, they were just begging folks to take Georgia, or Mm -hmm. excuse me, Florida, with the points. It's a big reason why I took the Bulldogs to cover, and they did that. You know, for me, Shane, this game, for whatever reason, it was a really good game, I thought. You know, it's obviously very heated, very contested. Nothing was came easy in this game, it didn't feel like. But at the same time, I kind of feel like Georgia was in complete control from the entire game. I don't know if you felt like that, but the, of course the biggest factor in this game Georgia fans loving it. Third and Grantham strikes again. And I've been getting some blowback from people, particularly Georgia fans, upset that uh, I praise Todd Grantham. and they, Obviously the former Georgia coordinator, who his time there did not end well. And the Gator fans are probably a little tired of hearing Todd Grantham at this moment as well. What are your thoughts on the game, Shane? Dude, it just, this game... Well, let me let me start off by uh, apologizing to the Florida fans and uh, congratulating the Georgia fans because obviously one in ten is a is a rough it's a rough financial stretch here, Mike. You know, I go into the season with a thousand dollar budget. That's my that's my budget, and I usually never hit it. You know, but this year I'm one game away from. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
I'm watching this thing, and, and it kind of felt like like Florida was going to get back into this thing. You know, you sent out that one tweet, I thought, a little too early. And I said, you know, watch out. You know, Florida got in with a seven. And then on that last series, a uh, couple of wonky plays, man. I, I didn't think that Georgia was going to extend this drive. It started off with that delay of game. And I said, you know what? There's a chance. There's an off chance that Florida is going to have one last opportunity. But let me tell you how much the Florida gods hate big orange balls. Okay. <laughs> the long play here was that they took a Tennessee transfer, graduate transfer, and Eli Wolf down there as a tight end. Not a huge part of this offense, but he was this game. And on third and long, on the heels of Jake Fromm, he threw it to Eli and got that crucial, crucial first down. Uh, it was third. There was an opportunity. Florida's going to get this ball back. And I just, I, I just sat there and just kind of, kind of laughed at myself you know just like can you believe that I mean out of all the players to catch this first down pass you know short of uh maybe uh uh, what's his name the 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 offensive line Cade Mays or something you know being assigned a a, a, a eligible receiver Mm -hmm. I I couldn't you know out of anybody else catching this damn ball down there it had to be Eli Wolf Tennessee player so I just, I, I was like, man, it's just not, it's not my cards to gamble anymore. So <laughs> anyway, that's a lot of words to say that this game felt like, kind of like what you said, that Florida, I don't know, kind of were playing on their heels, it felt like at times. It, Georgia was 12 of 18 on third downs. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get, you know, they couldn't get them off the field. Uh, the time of possession was ridiculous. And it just felt like when Florida made a mistake, Georgia was there to capitalize. It was just one of those type of games. And you're right. It did feel like Georgia was in control. Now, there was some bounces that went their way. Uh, we, you know, a lot of people want to talk about the the cager, you know, mm-hmm. reception, question mark. Well, speaking of cager, Shane, seven catches, 132. He really stepped up. The Bulldogs needed him. He was talking trash after this one. Jake Fromm, 20 of 30, 279, two touchdowns, no interceptions. You said it there, you know, he made the play of the game. I thought, uh, you know, it's not an outstanding play necessarily, but, I mean, it was a gutsy call to throw it there with the game on the line. That, to me, was like an NFL-type play when you got – I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers or anything, but, you know, when Green Bay does have a game on the line like we saw last week against Kansas City, they asked Aaron Rodgers to make the throw on third down. That's what Jake Fromm does – you know, there's very few players in the SEC right now I think that they would trust in a situation like that. Not saying Kyle Trask isn't one of those guys. I think he clearly is. But, of course, the Gators were not in that position in this one. But, man, it was just, uh, to me, Shane, the line of scrimmage dominated by Georgia. We saw it early. I thought the, you know, Dan Mullen set a really bad precedent here in this game early when the Gators had it fourth in inches in the first quarter there. And instead of running the ball, I mean, he threw it into the flats there. It was knocked down, turnover on downs. I just thought that was demoralizing, Shane, because it just let – it was just a message that, that they had no confidence they could not run on this team, and they couldn't do it. 19 rushes, 21 yards. Mm-hmm. It's not like Georgia ran wild. They had 119 on the ground on 37 carries. But, I mean, that's just – that's enough to balance out the offense – 
allow Jake Fromm to not constantly be getting pressured by these Florida outstanding pass rushers. How about Brian Harry and Shane? He, I know he's a running back, but he may be the best damn receiver. He's got the best <laughs> damn hands on Georgia's team here. He made an incredible catch. And like you said, there were some questionable calls. It's too bad for the, uh, you know, the SEC really needs to do something about this in the biggest games of the week. It just seems like every week there's some damn bad calls. And they they went Georgia's way, went against Florida this week. So uh, they've been on the, on the other side of it too. So uh, it's just unfortunate that we keep getting all these bad calls time and time again. But let me ask you this, Shane, because uh, like I said, these Georgia fans are pretty heated. I think they're feeling, they're obviously puffing their chest. They're happy they got the win, and they're taking shots at Todd Grantham for, like you said, 12 of 18 on third down. And how about this stat, Shane? This is an incredible stat. This is the most third down conversions Georgia has had since the 2014 Belk Bowl against Louisville. you have any idea who the defensive coordinator was for Louisville back in 2014? No, I have no idea. That would be one Todd Grantham, the third in Grantham. <laughs> so, yes, Georgia oh. obviously has Grantham's number. But uh, what I wanted to ask you, Shane, and I, I know Florida fans are probably pretty pissed off at the coordinator at this moment as well. But having said that, I mean, it's not like this guy's some damn joke where he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. It seemed, I mean, it was how long ago against Auburn you were saying, my God, Florida's got the best defense in the SEC. Yeah. I don't think one game defines this defensive coordinator, even though he, his unit keeps coming short, up short in this game. What are your thoughts on, uh, on Todd Grantham after this game? No, I mean, here you took one of the most prolific rushing teams in the nation, and you pretty much shut them down. I mean, you, you look at the box score, you see 119 yards rushing. But if you take that 30-yarder out from Swift, he had 24 carries for like 50 yards. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's an impressive feat. Both coordinators, both teams did an excellent job. of, And this is something we talked about going into this game. They're going to make these teams one-dimensional. It's going to come down to quarterback play. And, and that's what, exactly what happened. And Georgia just had – it felt like they had a few more playmakers emerge on the offensive side of the ball. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart after this one, Shane. He was obviously very excited. and He even called out the fans a little bit here um, on just the fact that, um, you know, they don't like to see the Bulldogs run the ball so much. It's boring, all this, yada, yada, yada. But he talks about how important that is. Uh, obviously the third downs were critical to this game. The importance of running the ball, even when, like you said, when it's not particularly working on his outstanding offensive line coach, Sam Pittman. And then finally on, you know, the player of the game, Jake Fromm. Yeah. I mean, start with the positive third down was, uh, really good. Uh, we were able to convert some, some big third downs. I mean, some down and distances that you're, you know, they, they've been really good on third and long. You know, uh, Tebow talked about it this morning on SEC Nation, and uh, it's, tough, it's tough to convert those long yardage third downs. But when Jake has time, he's really efficient. And uh, I thought our receivers gained a lot of confidence throughout this game. We had all of them there and accounted for. They were all healthy. And uh, they played well, too, to help Jake. But let's be honest, those five guys up front were blocking – some pretty good pass rushers one-on-one, and that was probably the difference in the game. 
Yeah, I thought that, that was the plan going in. We wanted to suffocate the run, make them one-dimensional. If you can make them one-dimensional, they're going to hit plays on you now. They got as good a group of receivers. I'm telling you, the, the, there, there's four guys that are going to be playing in the NFL of their wideouts, and I'm including the tight end. They got good wideouts, and that was my concern coming into the game. And we knew that we may have to give something up to get something back, but uh, it felt like you had to, you know, you had to play for the pass, and you had to stifle the run in order to make them one-dimensional, which the flip side of that was I didn't think they would be able to do to us, but early on it was almost, you know, mirror images. We couldn't run the ball, but we were able to throw it. Oh, you got to. I mean, if you don't run the ball in this league, pass rushers will chew you up. I mean, when they when they see pass every play, they'll feast. They're just like sharks in the water. They'll attack you. You got to keep them honest. You got to wear them down. And I know y'all don't believe in it, and y'all think it's boring, and y'all hate it, and it's not explosive. I get it. Okay, but in this league, you've got to be able to have uh, the threat of that in order to sustain. And look, we have not arrived. We are not. We we we, we have to get better. There are a lot of things that we've got to work on, and we got some really tough teams coming up to play, and uh, that's what I reiterated to our guys. Yeah, I thought Coach Pittman did a wonderful job last night. He's his offensive only meeting. I get to sit in on Friday nights and leave the defense alone so they don't get sick of me. And uh, he he stood up. Sam never talks. And Sam said, I want to say something. You know, I'm just a fat O-line coach. I don't know anything. But they asked me early in the week, do we need to protect these guys and, you know, take the backs and take the tight ends and chip of these guys. And I told them offensively that, that we ain't going to do that. We're going to let these guys go play. We're going to let them play in space, and we're going to block them. And I'll be danged if he didn't do that. And, uh, you know, our guys our guys pass pro pretty well. I mean, I've, I've known that. I mean, again, there's criticism out there about pass protection, but our guys pass pro pretty well. And uh, they showed that tonight. We just made plays, you know, down the field with the pass pro. No, I had those lunches to, to, to talk, to communicate. I think relationships are important to communicate and just talk and just hang out. I mean, he was getting ready to go hunting or somewhere, but he, it was like it, it was good for both of us. It was not uh, – look, he's, he has not had so much success in life. He has had a lot of people that have questioned him, and he is a chip-on-his-shoulder guy. And y'all seen it over and over again where people doubt and continue to doubt, and he continues to rise above. He's not – a silver spoon fed kid he's he's a working kid and he he works himself into it and wills himself into it and just really proud of the way he uh played and led our team and a lot of others i'm not saying it's just jake but jake has a lot of pressure on him all right shane so jake from you know i don't want to say it seems like every year he's got some level of doubters i think it's because he's just not i don't think it's anything against him personally i just think that maybe the system that georgia has you know, they're not asking him to be Tua or Joe Burrow or something like that. So not saying people forget about him, but I think they they view him as maybe not as good of a quarterback as he really is. And I think Jake Fromm went a long way to kind of redeeming himself here. If I don't even know if that's the right word, but just letting the nation know that uh, if defenses, elite defenses are going to make Jake Fromm beat him, he's fully capable of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean – and he does have a lot of – I think he has a lot of pressure on him at quarterback. Uh, you know, something that Coach mentioned there. And 
I mean, when you're told how great your team is all off season and this is the year you're going to make a run for the playoffs and, you know, that's a lot of pressure, especially with the fact that they lost so much talent at receiver last year. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is a whole new outfit, you know, with Cager uh, and some of these guys coming out of the backfield. Pickens, the, you know, he didn't do much. It was like he had to create his own targets out there. And not, very impressive, very impressive game uh, for Jake. Um, he seemed poised. Uh, you know, especially there on that final, like I said, that final drive, that final, I mean, that was just a, there's not a lot of people in this league that can make that pass. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to the other side, Shane, because now Florida searching for answers. Remember this time last year, obviously lost to Georgia as well. And then they turned around, went home and played Missouri in a game they were favored in and just got ran off the damn field. So they got to ensure that that doesn't happen again, because while things may look bleak for the SEC East, I mean, if Georgia gets upset down the road here, they've got some tough games coming up. Florida can get back into this thing, but they obviously cannot afford to lose another game. Um, and I also thought it was interesting, Shane. I think the Gators that you noted that final touchdown drive, it was very slow and methodical, and you know maybe they were just really focused on finally punching one in the end zone there, but... It just took up too much damn time. And when they scored, I I believe there was three minutes left on the clock, and it was just like, you know, there just wasn't enough time to get the ball back. Georgia only had to convert one first down, that was the ball game. So Mm -hmm. Dan Mullen talked about that final drive, why it took so damn long uh, on Georgia converting so many third downs and then on what the Gators have to play for the rest of the way. No, I mean, when you're down two, got to score once first. So it is, let's make sure we put a solid drive together and get the touchdown first. And uh, we did that. And that's kind of the whole thought that goes into that is, uh, you know, uh, don't panic. Uh, Don't need to panic. Run our offense. Execute our offense. Let's take it down the field. We executed clean. Uh, We punched it in. And, uh, you know, we executed clean. I thought we played okay on offense at times. Uh, Just some mistakes kept setting us back at different points of the game. And, uh, you know, obviously only ran 52 plays offensively, so that's that's not very good. And, um, you know, needed to stay on the field better on offense and get off the field on defense. So Um, we called a lot of different defenses. I mean, like I just said, there's a lot of different answers for why they were good on third down. You know, they're not one thing. There's a lot of different ones. Is there a reason you didn't pressure him more on third down? No. No, you know, we tried. We mixed up different looks. Uh, you know, like I said, those are 18 third downs. So each one of them is going to be pretty independent, to be honest with you. So, you know, a couple by penalty, right? I think we, we gave it a penalty on third down, gave him a first down. We had a overturn or a call stands. You know, thought that was one of the biggest plays of the game. Well, I mean, the mess for the team is there's an awful lot to still play for. Like I said, I mean, there's uh, a lot of football still left. We we got three more games uh, to go play in a bye week. Uh, we've qualified for a bowl game, so we'll get that extra. Well, how good that is, we'll see. You know, the East still hasn't been decided. There's still, uh, like I said, a bunch of, of, of football. You know, unfortunately, we don't control our destiny anymore, which, you know, is frustrating uh, for us. But, you know, we'll see. You know, the ad- ad- adversity – uh, 
to me, you know, I mean, your character is tested. This, this is when we, we see if we have character as a team. You know, we, you, your, our character wasn't really shown, like, out there on the field. That doesn't define what your character is out there on the field. We were going to come play. We were going to play hard for 60 minutes. We did that, right? We did some really good things. We made some mistakes. We all can work to get better. Your character is defined on what you're doing in response to that. Are we as coaches working to get, make sure we're, we're doing a better job as coaches? Are we as players making sure we're working? working to be better as players? Are we maximizing the effort we give every single day and what we're doing to best develop ourselves? That's your test of character. And, and so, you know, that's what, that's what's ahead of us as a team is we get to see in, in individuals, you get, to, it, it's, you know, it's a great check of where our character is going to be over these next three games and what type of team, how we're going to finish this up. All right, Shane. So there's Dan Mullen there. It was pretty somber after this one. Not really I mean, I think he knows this This was the Gators' chance here, and they just let it slip away. How do you expect the Gators are going to respond, Shane, after we've seen – I know it's a different year, it's a different team, but they failed to respond last year. Do you think uh, there could be that issue again? What's, what they got on their schedule here? Uh, well, this next week, Shane, so they're obviously – they just had a bias. So they had two weeks there. They got Vanderbilt at home. That should be a win. They got to go to Missouri – and then they get a bye week, and then they got to go, uh, or excuse me, they host Florida State. <laughs> mm. So there's three wins. <laughs> I think I think Florida's fine. I think Florida's, you know, they've they've built enough resume here. I mean, you're you're just gonna have to sit back and pray something bad happens to Georgia. I mean, Georgia does have Auburn. They do have Missouri on the schedule. Texas A&M. I mean. There is an opportunity that they could lose one of these games. Uh, two of the, they have to lose two though, don't they? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, sorry, man. I mean, it's a, it's an out it's an outside shot, obviously, but you know, crazier things have happened, Mike. This is college football, and and upsets happen all the time. So, I mean, that's just that's basically all you got to root for. I mean. Georgia, I think, you know, I think Texas A&M could be an interesting game. Obviously, Auburn didn't look extremely strong this week, but has enough talent to uh, to make that a ball game. So I think the road is easy for Florida, but, you know, just continue doing what they do and build off what they're doing. They got a lot of young talent going to be back next year as well. So, you know, you got to be you got to be pretty pumped up. Coach Mullen here, his second year and. And you're competing, man. I mean, you're competing every year for the your bid to the East. So uh, I, I, there's a lot of other programs out here, like Florida State, for example. You know, year two, they're firing their coach already. So it could be a lot worse. And one final thing before we move on from this one, Shane. After the game, Dan Mullen was asked, you know, how far is his program behind the Georgia program? And he says seven points. We're seven points <laughs> behind Georgia. Now, Florida fans, I encourage you not to do this. Georgia fans, I highly encourage you to do this. Go in your browser there, type in loseby7.com, and that's uh, S-E-V-E-N. The you got to spell it out there, but that, uh, that'll, that'll put a smile on your face there. <laughs> do they got to loseby29.com? For the Tennessee fans out there, I mean, again, there could be worse websites, Mike. <laughs> All right, Shane, so uh, let's jump on down to, you know, this game may have not had the implications uh, 
of the last game of the Florida-Georgia game, but it was interesting in its own right. Mississippi State travels to Arkansas and just opens a damn can, Shane, on them Hawks, 54-24. to And just when it just can't get worse here for Arkansas, Shane, hell, Shane, after every time a coach is on a, on a hot seat in the SEC, they ought to line up against a Chad Morris team. That's that's kind of what I've come to realize here because, I mean, Joe Moorhead and his crew, and this is kind of what we've been hammering home. I know the Mississippi State's not looked good in recent weeks, but the team continues to play hard for Coach Moorhead. You saw it here against an overmatched opponent. Um, man, this was just – I mean, this was just an ass-whipping, Shane, in a game where, you know, this looked like the – the closest thing Arkansas was going to get to an SEC win this season. Instead, they surrender 640 yards of total offense, a Mississippi State record against an SEC opponent, 460 yards Mm. on the ground, another Mississippi State SEC record. Keep in mind, uh, Mississippi State did not join the SEC in like 1990, Shane. They joined back when the (laughs) league was founded back in the 30s. Just and keep in mind, John Chavis is making a million and a half dollars this year. Mm, he won't be next year, Mike. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm just like I'm at a loss for words here because I'm, I'm like I feel like we've been poking these damn Arkansas fans for for so many weeks. Tommy Stevens, how about that? Let's start there, Shane. Let's start Mississippi State. This is the reason why that I've kind of been touting this kid. I know he played poorly against Tennessee, so they kind of had to make a change there. Mm-hmm. But the Joe Moorhead offense doesn't seem to work, in my opinion, unless you got the downfield passing game. And that's what Tommy Stevens does because they have such a good running system. But with defenses stacked against the box, the whole thing just kind of shuts down. And, uh, you know, I know Garrett Schrader's the future. And once he kind of develops that long ball, he's going to be awesome. But Tommy Stevens is able to push the ball down the field accurately time and time again. Uh, he made the surprise start here, 12 of 18, 172, two touchdowns. He was uh, a very, very efficient, hit some long shots here. And, of course, uh, the stars of the day, Kylan Hill, 234 yards on the ground. Shane averaged 11, over 11 yards per carry, <laughs> three touchdowns. Nick Gibson had himself a day, 12 carries, 129. They just damn ran wild all over these Razorbacks. Uh, mm-hmm. Got to give a lot of credit to this Mississippi State team for ending a losing skid like this. Two years in a row, Mississippi State's hung 50 on Arkansas. Mm. And then Ben Hicks, Shane, I mean, it's getting to be a joke at this point, but Chad Morris has no idea who to play at quarterback. He plays Ben Hicks, starts Ben Hicks. He goes 4 of 13 for 44 yards. He had a pick six. And then they put in John Stephen Jones, looked better. And then finally, Shane, finally – Cousin Shane's been calling for about six months before the season even damn started. Let's see this K.J. Jefferson. Uh, When he reached the field, Shane, it was fourth quarter. Arkansas had seven first downs in the game. K.J. Jefferson, first play, first down. Second play, first down. Third play, first down. Fourth play, touchdown. (laughs) After the game, Jab Morris was like, yeah, he was all right. (laughs) Yeah, I know. What the hell's going on here, Shane? (laughs) 
He's pumping up Burks. Like, Burks is just so great. I'm, Burks had 40 yards total offense, you know. He had just as much as your starting quarterback. So, I, it's not that. Your quarterback is a – It is a not. it's not just an eyesore. It is a cancer to this team. And the fact that you've got K.J. Jefferson, you got the fans wanting K.J., you've got everybody in that stadium knowing who the – anybody that watched this game knowing – who the best quarterback on this team potentially could be. Not saying that he is, but potentially could be by the end of the season. And we're we're not we're not gonna talk about how great he did. You know, it's like I don't know what he I don't know what he has against this kid, you know. I mean he must be a horrible practice player or something because and I don't want to sit here and just bash Arkansas all day long because Mississippi State did a fantastic job establishing the run. In fact, I think Colin Hill just scored another touchdown. You know, if I, <laughs> I mean, they were just they were running, and I think that this offense not only does better when the running backs are going, but it does better when the quarterbacks are rushing. Stevens also had seventy four uh, yards rushing in this game, and it just felt like they couldn't be stopped on the ground. Uh, that I watched that one play with uh, Hill. He went to stiff arm that guy, and he's like, wait a minute, I'm just going to run around him, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like they had their way with this team. And I feel bad. It felt like Arkansas gave up there at the end. And, uh, you know, the only spark that we saw was from your freshman quarterback. And uh, it's time, Mike. Good God, it's time. If not, whoever replaces you next week, we'll start him. I guarantee it. And all of a sudden, Shane – I know at Mississippi State, their next opponent, they get two weeks to prepare. It's Alabama. But a postseason berth is not out of the question because after Alabama, they get Abilene Christian at home. They get Mm -hmm. Ole Miss at home. I know it's very unlikely they're going to beat Alabama, but Alabama would be coming off that LSU game. What happens if they lose? What if, God forbid, Tua gets hurt again or something? And we've seen Alabama is not outstanding – at defending the run. If mm-hmm. if Kylan Hill damn runs wild like he did here on Saturday, it could be uh they could at least make it interesting. But uh this is just a terrific way to respond, really going to give them some motivation moving forward. Uh let's kick it over to Joe Moorhead after this one Shane talking about uh, the decision to start Tommy Stevens, why Garrett Schrader didn't play. Uh, on Kylan Hill in the running game getting going this week and then uh, on his team finally putting together a 60-minute performance. Coach, take us through a decision to start Tommy today. Today? Yeah, you know, Garrett had some general health issues, you know, throughout the week and, uh, you know, went through and, you know, just on uh, you know Thursday decided, you know, for, 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 for the kids, for the offense and for the team, it was in our best interest to start Tommy for this week. Tyler, how good Tommy looked today? How much does that kind of complicate the quarterback situation going forward? Yeah, it hadn't been real easy. Uh, you know, it's a good complication, I guess, when you have two guys that are playing well. Uh, so we're uh, get back, watch the film, you know, have a bye week, kind of digest it. And good news is, you know, two weeks before we got to make a decision. So, you know, at times, you know, both played very well. And, uh, you know, some some don't have one. It feels good to have two. When you named Garrett the starter a few weeks ago, you said that Tommy was going to be needed at some point. That came to fruition today. What was it like for you to see that? And like I said, to see him play that well, too. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, it's not coach speak. I mean, I, I, I view Tommy like a son, and, and, and I really do. And we made the decision, you know, ultimately, you know, it hurt him, but it was in the best interest, you know, of the offense and the team to move ahead with Garrett. But to his credit, 
he came in, you know, didn't pout, you know, didn't complain, didn't ask why. He understood, uh, kept his head down and kept working. You know, in the past two weeks, I think he's really been, you know, as healthy as he's been since the beginning of the season. So, uh, you know, when he got his opportunity, it's always always nice to see one of the good guys get rewarded. And, and Tommy Stevens is one of the good guys in college football. Uh, ben? Coach, I think it was Daryl earlier this week saying kind of that the offense goes, that the run game goes. Today, obviously, it went. And what can you say about Kyle and then Nick Gibson, who also had another 100 yards? Yeah, you know, we, we you know, said a bunch of times that the success of our offense is predicated on our ability to run the ball successfully. When that happens, you know, teams have to support their run with, with secondary force, linebacker force, or pressure, and that creates one on ones on the perimeter and allows us to take some shots outfield. So I thought the guys did a great job, you know, getting movement at the line of scrimmage and being physical. I thought the running backs did a great job running behind their pads. And I thought, you know, Tommy and the quarterbacks did a great job. Making the correct decisions to get the ball to who we need to go to. Steve and Tom. Because you talked about playing a full 60 minute football game. We talked at AM last week that the second half was close to what you wanted. Do you feel like today was a 60 minute football game for you all? I think so. I mean, there's going to be spots like any coach or any staff where you go back and you want to correct some things. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I thought we, we jumped out fast. We talked about starting fast and we did, and we did finish strong, you know, driven drive out there. But, uh, you know, we, as coaches, we're always going to kind of linger and, you know, worry more about the things we need to correct and enjoy the things we did well. So, But, but I, I do think it was as close to a 60-minute complete game as we played this season. All right, Shane, some interesting comments here from Coach Moorhead. Really seems to, you know, have turned the ship to a degree. I know Arkansas, yeah, obviously not the best caliber opponent, but you go on the road, get an SEC win. This is only the second one of the Joe Moorhead era. It's going to give them some confidence moving forward, don't you think? Oh, without a doubt, man. I mean, these guys—they just—that's the perfect recipe. That's the per perfect recipe for football, right there, man. Just establish the run, keep your defense off the field as much as possible. You know, did you know Mississippi State? They had the ball forty minutes during this game. Arkansas—I mean, to Arkansas's nineteen—that is a huge differential there your mm -hmm. your team is exhausted your defense is exhausted so a lot of people are going to come out here and blame chavis but when your offense is going three and out over and over and over again your defense will break it's just how it is i mean it's not they're not that deep and so that got exposed there toward the end and that's why you see these big gashes in the run game because Arkansas has been on the field the whole damn time. Mm -hmm. And how about his comments there on Tommy Stevens, Shane, the relationship? I know Joe Moorhead probably has got a little bit of ways to dig himself out of the hole that he may have created with some of these fans. But uh, there's an outstanding chance that we look back and say, you know, Tommy Stevens maybe only was with the program for one year. But his leadership, uh, when things got tough, continued to work and when his number was called, answered that challenge in a big way. Uh, I think that could be huge for the development of this Mississippi State program under Joe Moorhead uh, because if, you know, if Garrett Schrader couldn't go, if Tommy Stevens wasn't prepared or had a bad day, they'd lose this game. I mean, the narrative is just completely different. Uh, I think, uh, once again, Mississippi State's got to be real glad they got Tommy Stevens on the roster. Mm -hmm. And I think oh, yeah. I think we need to see them both moving forward. I think I would like to see both quarterbacks play the rest of the way out. Absolutely, man. I, I just I I don't know. It just felt like the spark was there. Something like you said, and and I don't know if it was because he was a hundred percent finally. You know, he finally got some rest. But dude, he 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 looked really good. He looked. I mean, he looked real good. And I, I think Mississippi State 
if they keep playing like that, are going to make a bowl game. And at the end of the year, you know, we're going to be talking about, hey, look what Joe fought through, you know, and we got a hell of a coach down here. Now, flipping over to the other side, Shane, that's basically – got to the- fire him. they got to <laughs> fire him, Mike. I mean, do you think do you think this is I don't know. Go with me here. Mm-hmm. When they fired Willie Taggart, the first thing that I think everybody thought of was Coach Morris. You know, here we are saying, you know, he's gotta have more time, he's gotta blah 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 blah. You know, no. If Willie Taggart can can get fired with guaranteed money, I mean, Florida State's on the hook for a lot of money, a lot more money than they are with Coach Morris. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you think that it's, you know, turn things up down there because there is, I mean, you want to be the first teams. You want to be the first teams getting some of these coaches in there and and trying to woo them to your team. Do you think there's a a little bit of extra pressure here the next few weeks, next few weeks with Coach Morris? Absolutely. Particularly this weekend's game coming up against Western Kentucky. First year head coach Tyson Helton. Obviously, quarterbacked by Ty Story, the guy they ran off last off season. I mean, if you cannot beat that team at home, you just have no business being an SEC coach. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. I mean, I've seen a lot of people. Um, I thought uh, the one that kind of came out the strongest was uh, Barrett Salee. At, after this game, said, uh, "You know, I can't remember a, a team that's worse." in his history of, of just watching SEC football. And I don't even think that's accurate. I think Arkansas is better than they were last year. But mm. but the but the coaching is just so damn poor. Mm-hmm. So this is the results that you're getting. I mean this I think this team beats last year's team. <laughs> and I don't that may not be saying much, but I think Arkansas is taking a slight step forward. But it's, it goes back to what you're saying about KJ Jefferson. I mean any you could bring in somebody who's never even watched football and say, okay, we got Ben Hicks, we got John Stephen Jones, we got K.J. Jefferson, let's watch all their plays. Which one are you playing? I mean, every single one of them is going to tell you K.J. Jefferson, the only, unless the last one in here is Chad Morris because he's the only one that it ain't buying it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know if um, – he just doesn't seem to be knowledgeable or, or something. I don't know, but he's just – he may be the worst damn coach I've ever seen since uh, that old Mississippi State coach Croom. I mean, that, that's how bad we're talking here. And, I mean, it's just getting worse and worse. We're not seeing any signs of, of progress here. And, man. Do you think it, Do you think it's his son? I, I, I don't want to go deep conspiracy here, but, you know, his boy's coming in at quarterback. You know what I'm saying? If you roll out, you know, Jefferson here at the end and he catches fire mm-hmm. you know it's easier than maybe next offseason he rolls out the true freshman see what I'm saying is that am I just if that's his plan he's even worse than I thought and I <laughs> and I've got a pretty low opinion of him right now um so let's kick it over and let's kick it over to Chad Morris Shane on his court his decisions at quarterback on KJ Jefferson and John Stevens Jones on the defense's poor performance and then finally he, he didn't really want to get into this one, Shane, on if any staff changes are in the works here in Fayetteville. Chad, with the way things have gone at quarterback and some other uh, young players, do you feel like the team's being put in the best possible position to win with the best players? Are you referencing to the, at the quarterback position? Quarterback, Traylon Burks. 
Well, I think we've. Uh, I think when you look at Traylon Burks and and look at the how many all-purpose yards he has, you know, our opportunity to try to get him the football as much as we possibly can. And uh, I do think, as I've said before, that the inconsistencies at the quarterback position have have not has not benefited us. Chad, what was your thoughts on KJ and John Steven and? Um, do you go with those guys moving forward based on how Hicks plays? Do you feel like still feel like he's the best option for you? Well, we'll get back in here tomorrow and uh, go through that. Um, I felt that Ben was healthy today, but uh, I thought that both John Steven and KJ came in and gave us a spark. I was, I was proud of both of those guys. Yeah, Chad, specifically, what did you like about KJ? I realize it was late in a lopsided game and they didn't have all their starters out there, but uh, how did you think he played? He seemed like he really, the, the stadium was excited. And um, and do you have any regrets about not playing him maybe earlier in the season based on how he played? Oh, uh, you know, I don't have any regrets of not playing him earlier in the season. I, I thought he played well today. Um, I thought he did some. Um, you know, we we were we kept it as simple as possible with him. But I thought he did. I thought he did a really good job. Obviously, he let us down. Had a big run and scored a touchdown. I thought it was, uh, you know, pretty pretty impressive for your first drive. Well, very disappointing. Um, we knew they were. A, a run football team, run first football team, and um, you know that was that was uh, it led the league in rushing, um, and it was it was evident that we did, we couldn't stop the run today. Very disappointed in that. How surprised are you that Mississippi State was able to rack up the yardage that they did specifically on the ground? I was really ex extremely surprised. We we knew that that they were uh, a run heavy first, and we knew that uh, they didn't do anything different. Um, and very disappointing. Coach, maybe this is a question for Monday, but you talk about holding people accountable, everyone in the building. Do you consider coaching changes after today's game? I'm not going to answer that today. But when you lose three straight by 100 plus, I mean, what's the team morale like? What, what, what's the morale like of you and the coaching staff? And just kind of how, how do you hold yeah. things together? Well, we, we, uh, we've got three games left. Uh, we got two games in front of our home crowd. And um, you know it's it's about it's about having some pride and playing and and responding. All right, Shane. So kind of like kind of like you said, ask him about the quarterbacks. He's going on about his freshman receiver. <laughs> I just think he's got no answers. He's got he's got no answers to anything. I mean, that's what I'm seeing on the field. That's what I'm seeing in these pressers. And I just think it's going to continue. I got no confidence in them beating Western Kentucky at this point. Yeah. Do you think? Let me ask you something. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about like these small division coaches, you know. Here we got Morris from SMU and we got, you know, Willie. What he was up at um uh, well before Oregon. Who, who where was he at? South Some, Florida. Yeah, South Florida. You know, do you think you know, most of, some of these are turning out to be bust. Do you think that it's it's time that we stop hiring these eight, nine win coaches from these small leagues and just you know do do like kirby and and, and uh, you know coach pruitt and things like that hire from staffs inside the sec or you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. do you think it's going to come to that point because it it felt like we kind of got in a little trend there like oh man this team's all of a sudden good you know they won 10 games down there at freaking imac or wherever they're at and then we give them a job and then they turn out to not do anything they can't recruit you know I mean, I just really think every situation is independent. I see what you're saying. Me personally, I would not hire a head coach in the SEC 
that had no head coaching experience. I know mm-hmm. I know guys like Kirby Smart's done a very good job. I know Jeremy Pruitt looks like he may have turned a corner. So, I mean, it can be done, but I just would uh, – I don't know, because you're learning on the job. Kirby had to learn on the job. I, th- mm-hmm. I think you could argue Jeremy Pruitt is still learning on the job. And yeah. fans are not going to tolerate that at most places. Uh, but, you know, I'm not totally sold on these, you know, the, just where you came from is, is defines who you are because, I mean, Urban Meyer came from Utah, and that was before they were Pac-12. Uh, the guy at Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, I mean, he came from East Carolina. So, I mean, it can be done, but um, I don't know. I just – I never this Chad Morris hire never made sense to me because I thought Clemson got better after he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, SMU was never good. It just felt very, very Derek Dooley esque to me. Yeah, and it and it looks like that's kind of what they're getting here in Fayetteville. Oh man, I'm gonna tell you one of the darkest days as a Tennessee fan for me mm-hmm. was watching uh, the Arkansas game when we went down there. Arkansas was real good, and you remember that one guy? I can't remember his name. But he had like that magnificent punt return, and he like dodged six, seven guys, and then took it for a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? I believe like, that was old Joe Adams. I believe was his name. Yeah, he was on the countdown. I remember that. I, saw, <laughs> I remember the video. But I was just thinking, you know, that game against Arkansas, I realized just how far we are between the other sec teams like that was like the lowest of low as a tennessee fan i just we had no game speed whatsoever and it's just you know arkansas is watching this game and not being able i mean for i mean they broke a record mike you know what i'm saying they broke two records mm-hmm. uh something that they've not been able to do against them i mean you know they're feeling the pain that they're as low as they're ever going to be and and they are but you know couple of hires a couple of years you're going to be right back in the in the thick of things it's just uh just keep your head up man because we've all been there mm-hmm. yeah i've just just can't have it in the second year against a maybe do it against alabama but not against yeah, they got to fire morris I'm, I'm out on him all right shane enough of that one let's jump on down to auburn where the tigers held on beat ole miss 20 to 14 and this was a weird one shane i mean Auburn was, I don't want to say in control, but they were leading basically the entire game. Uh, Their kicker, Anders Carlson, really screwed me on the spread there. He missed three field goals. (laughs) That's a huge issue moving forward, particularly with these big games they got. I mean, now Auburn's next game, they do got two weeks to get ready, but it's against Georgia. They cannot have any miscues. Um, I thought, uh, you know, John Rice Plumley. I questioned whether he'd be able to take a hit in this one. And my God, Shane, he, he just continues to amaze. He basically was the offense for Ole Miss. He led the team in rushing. He led him, to, led him in passing. Uh, came down to that final drive where he, he came up short. But uh, that's kind of gonna that's gonna happen when you're a true freshman quarterback. You can't really, particularly against a defense like Auburn. Uh, but I thought, uh, you know, this was a weird one, Shane. It seemed like the fans were out on it. They yeah, were frust- birds were out. They were frustrated with Auburn and this offense. I mean, even Bo Nix had a really big day, 30 of 44, 340 yards passing, but no touchdowns, no interceptions. And they weren't really able to get the ground game going completely. 
Interestingly, the both teams finished with uh, 167 yards exactly rushing in this game. But Ole Miss scored a late touchdown, and they got the ball back there. About a minute and a half left, the length of the field to go. They couldn't do it, but, man, it, it could have really got ugly here for Gus Malzahn if Ole Miss found a way to march in here and steal a win late. Thankfully for Auburn fans, that didn't happen, but... What's your take on this one? Maybe just a little bit of hangover from Auburn, uh, but th- they have they have got to get this cleaned up before Georgia comes into town. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've never seen a fan base more upset about being seven and two than the Auburn Tigers right now. I mean this this fan base is divided. I mean, you get online, there's a lot of people that are there's I don't know. They're I mean they're the players are calling out the fans even. Yeah, I just. This it's things getting ugly. Uh, Bo did not have a great game. Uh, I know you look at the box score, you know you see three hundred and forty yards passing, but mm-hmm. it, it just you know it didn't feel it felt dinky dunky uh, the whole time. And uh, the running game, like you said, kind of struggled to get going. Uh, there was just no big plays, and uh, uh, Schwartz was the only exciting player on the field, you know, and even he was kind of held in check with this Ole Miss defense. So, I I mean, I can see why they're a little frustrated. This is a game that they were expecting to go in there and hang 50 points on them, you know, and they just weren't able to do that. And they let Ole Miss hang. I mean, this thing came down to a final drive. And if old Plumtree didn't – I think if Plumtree would have threw the damn ball, that they they may have, (laughs) you know, ended up upsetting Auburn here. And and then they'd really be in bad shape down there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss could not even muster 100 yards passing. That's pretty pathetic. But that's just kind of the day it was for Ole Miss. It was just basically a one-man show with John Rice Plumley, And this is just days after his damn surgery. So it, it was an ugly one, Shane. Like I said, Auburn has got to get this figured out. Uh, but it starts there with the kicking game. So let's kick it over to Gus Malzahn. Talked about it. Anders Carlson missed you know, they, they even, for some damn reason, I don't know what he was thinking here, late in the game, up by six, let's try a 49-yard field goal. <laughs> Kid's already missed a couple. Let's see if he can miss another. He did. Uh, so Gus Malzahn talks about that decision. Anderson Carl struggles. And then uh, his thoughts on Bo Nix's performance. It was fourth and two. Did you consider going for it at the 31? Fourth and two? Right. Did the last one? Right. No. No, we're going to kick the game. As, what was it, 48-yard field goal? 49. 49? No, we, we, our kicker didn't make it, but I got a lot of confidence in him, and I'll do the same thing again, you know, and we're trying to win the game, and I don't I don't have a problem with that at all. Was there something, I mean, you missed three of them. Was, could you see kind of what was happening? You know, I don't know. That's uncharacteristic as well. You know, he's an excellent kicker, um, and he was just a little off. Now, we did have a new snapper, um, you know, out there, and, you know, so that – Possibly could have had something to do with the timing. I don't know. But uh, we got a lot of confidence in him. And, um, you know, if we have the same situation, we'll do the same thing. And I really believe he'll make it. Bo throwing for 340 tonight. What did you see from him? I thought he did some good things. I really did. You know, he protected the football. That's number one. Uh, we were close. I th- you know, we were close on a couple that could have been more. Um, but like I said, it's good to have an off week and clean some things up. But I thought he won. I think that's how you assess it. You know, I mean, we won the game. Proud of the fact we won the game, but you know, we just uh, we got to clean some things up. 
but the fact that you put up 500 yards against a pretty good defense, especially a good run defense, um, you know that's that's good. So we just gotta we just gotta finish some things and and put some points on the board. And I mean, give that bunch credit. I mean, they they came in here and they uh, they fought hard. And... So there you have it from Gus Shane. You know, he didn't sound too upset, but I I think honestly when he watches the film, he's gotta be because they had no business being in this game. I, I thought the one of the best plays, I don't know if you caught this, Shane. This was just kind of hilarious, though. I forgot to mention this here when we started talking about this game. But there was a play where Auburn only had 10 defenders on the field, and out comes Derek Brown. They had to rush him out on the field. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Ole Miss awesome. uh, threw a screen or, or like a swing pass to a running back. And he just happened to collide with Derek Brown <laughs> running onto the field. I mean, it was it was perfect for Auburn. It was a complete nightmare for Ole Miss, that play. But uh, it's not often you see a 300-pound man come running off the sideline and a, and a back just kind of comes right into his chest. But uh, that was, that was I mean, about the highlight the there for odds, Auburn. Man. <laughs> I mean, that kid had to be, I mean, he's had to be so surprised. I mean, Brown came out of nowhere. I watched this and I kept, I, I watched the replay and I was like, did he, was he like going back in coverage? No, he was just coming from the sideline. He was late to get in there and just blew this kid up, man. Oh man. That, that, that was awesome. That never happens for uh, big guys, you know? So that was cool. But uh, I am worried about Auburn, man. I mean, I'm not as worried about Ole Miss. Well, let me let's take this back for a second. Ole Miss record-wise, this is something you brought up on Twitter the other day, and I, I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. You know about Coach Luke's job security here. Ole Miss feels like they're getting better, but the but the record's not showing that. Do you think that this just this how it feels? Do you think that that's going to help Coach Luke keep his job? Moving forward, I mean, it does feel like they're getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's a perplexing one to me because, I mean, just what you said there, that was kind of my takeaway where, you know, I thought this was going to be the damn war- – I thought this was team was going to be about as bad as Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to be worse than Arkansas. I thought, I thought Arkansas would be a little bit better. But clearly, I mean, they're in these ball games. They gave – I don't want to say they gave Alabama a run for their money because that would be incorrect, but – they were not intimidated, and they played with them. They had the lead in the second quarter. This is not the same team. I think it really helps Matt Luke that the leadership there in, in Ole Miss is a little in flux. You know, there's uh-huh. there's no – I don't even know who the hell he's answering to right now. they got an interim AD. I think they – I don't think they have a president or <laughs> any <laughs> prospects for the AD, so they may just keep him just because they got no one to fire him. But – if they did have someone, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, you see people, it seemed like rival fans were begging Ole Miss to keep him. <laughs> That's never a good <laughs> sign. But I, I really like the direction because you got to remember, they are playing a ton of freshmen, yeah. redshirt freshmen. And if they're getting this out of them, and they're really finding some stars like for anyone that I mean, obviously Ole Miss fans and Auburn who just watch this game, but if you've not seen this kid, John Rice Plumley, I swear, he's like, I think the player he most reminds me of now is like Nick Marshall. Yeah. I mean, he is just—you wouldn't think he'd be a good quarterback, but he's just insanely awesome and just—he's just a true playmaker with the ball in his hands. 
I think he's someone you can build around. I think you got to keep this staff in place, see what you can do with all these kids when they're sophomores, redshirt sophomores next year. They're probably not going to go to a bowl game now that they lost this one, but hell, they gave it their their all, and uh, I don't really, yeah. I don't really think I got a higher opinion of Matt Luke than I had of him coming into the season. And if, and if for nothing else, Shane, I think that's reason enough to keep him. And I'm, I don't. If I'm an Ole Miss fan, you're probably not too happy with that answer because you know, wasn't that long ago you had Q Freeze, you were beating Alabama, you mm-hmm. want that back. I understand it, but. I just don't know if you're just going to – I mean, who are you going to hire that's just going to immediately bring that in? You know what I mean? I, I think it's I think it's better if you build it. Maybe you got the next – you know, I don't want to call him Dan Mullen, but, you know, a caliber of guy – because it took him a little while to build it up. Mm-hmm. Give him a little bit more time with these coordinators. I think they're going in the right direction in Ole Miss, and uh, I think that's better than the unknown of just hiring someone that uh, you, you, could, you could improve or you could get a lot worse. I'm with you, man. And I think that this team's getting better as they go. I mean, I, I guarantee now if they were to play Memphis and probably Cal, I, I think that's two victories instead of two losses, and, and they're looking at a bowl game. So uh, I just think they're they're just a few plays away. I mean, they're, they're hanging in here with Auburn. You know what I'm saying? It came down to the last series and almost beat the University of Auburn, a team that almost beat the number one team in the nation, you know? So, I mean, you could play that game all day long. It just – I think Coach Luke's moving these guys in the right direction. I like this coaching staff. I love these young players. I think you're right. I think a few seasons under their belt, we're talking about Ole Miss being a pretty good damn team out there in the West. And I also think they beat Cal. I think they got fucking rubbed. <laughs> oh yeah, they, they did get robbed, man. I think I think Memphis. I think they got robbed in that one with the 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 rough and the passer penalty. That was so stupid, giving them a touchdown. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they've this officiating sucks this year, man. I I mean, when when does robots take over? You know, is it going to be during that Virginia Tech Alabama game? <laughs> Thirty years from now. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to South Carolina where the Gamecocks come away with a 24-7 win over Vanderbilt. And, man, did Will Muschamp need this one because uh, Gamecock Nation, Shane, was, man, they were they were not feeling too good about this one to start because Vanderbilt, they were the first ones on the board. It was 7 to nothing going into the second quarter. The Boo Birds were out in Columbia out for Will Muschamp, calling for his head, some people. I'm telling you, social media was a buzz. But uh, then the Gamecocks, once they settled in, they took complete control of this one. And let me summarize this game for you if you missed it, folks. Here's Vanderbilt, first down, run up the middle. Second down, run up the middle. Third down, throw it over a receiver's head. And they did that about 20 damn times. (laughs) It was damn ugly. It was an ugly game. Vanderbilt had 76 yards passing, 11 of 21 through the air, one touchdown, two interceptions. I mean, I'm kind of shocked the Gamecocks didn't shut him out here. Helensky had himself a day finally getting back, getting his mojo back, and then uh, I think game ball, well, you probably got to hand out two game balls here, but uh, Deshaun Fenwick, Shane, I'd – Running back, basically fourth string entering the season. 18 carries, 102 yards. Hell of a a day. And then Brian Edwards, 
Yeah. S, uh, South Carolina record ties the record, I should say. 14 catches, 139 yards, one touchdown. He had a, he had himself a hell of a day. He continues to shine for the Gamecocks. But, uh, you know, credit to South Carolina for, you know, tough start, but just staying resilient. Uh, Will Muschamp desperately needed this one. Gamecocks keep their bowl hopes alive. And then Vanderbilt, I think – I just think that Missouri game, this is going to be one where we look back and be like, how in the hell did they beat Missouri? <laughs> I, I just think it's a, it's a rough rough year there for the Commodores. What's going on with the – and I don't want to read into the commentary in this game, but when you saw Lipscomb on the sideline, you know, they just kept saying like, like he's refusing to go in. And like they were even making comments about – Keyshawn Vaughn upset with the coaching staff and the playmaking, you know, like, did you get that vibe? I mean, did did they they say why Lipscomb was out in this game or why he left? They said it was personal reasons, Mm. but that doesn't make any sense why he even traveled with the team. And you got to remember, this is the kid that um, said there was, I can't remember the word he used, but I don't think it was panic, but it was something like that following the UNLV game. So I'm mm. sure there's some tension behind the scenes there. But, uh, yeah, that's it's troubling because we've got Vanderbilt's best receiver not on the field. I mean, they don't they don't have the depth to not have someone like that out there. Man, I just – I don't know where they go from here. We may uh, – I thought Derek Mason saved his job. He may have just delayed the inevitable here because, <laughs> man, they're just, they're just terrible on offense. Yeah, they really are, and they they've got no weapons. I mean, honestly, Keish, I mean, everybody knows it's Vaughn. It's Vaughn or nobody, and they couldn't throw the ball. This defense had that shut down. I mean, if, if you can only muster seventy six yards passing during a game, you're not going to win. I mean, unless you're like old school Georgia Tech and you run the option all the time. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Then that that's not what these guys run. They're they try to be a balanced offense and South Carolina had their number. I mean, it was close at first, but they were able to pull away from it. I really liked the fact that they got a uh, joiner involved as mm-hmm. well. It just seemed like that provided a little spark for this offense. And, uh, you know, coach makes comments. We're going to play him here a second that he was banged up. I, I, I did not know that, but yeah, that's where he's been the last two weeks is he's been trying to get better, but this team's better when he can come in there and, and, and play a little bit, man. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned it there, Shane. Let's jump over to Will Muschamp. I really like these comments he had on running back to Sean Fenwick. I think that really just kind of gives you a, a really good insight and window into the culture and the program that Will Muschamp has. I'm sure these these talks go on just about everywhere, but – I don't know how often it is these players kind of listen and heed this advice. Uh, they're, they're clearly doing it here in Columbia. Then he also talked about uh, to carry on Joyner, his status. And then he gave a special shout-out to uh, one of the media members who was questioning Ryan Helinski's indecisiveness to run the ball. Uh, was there anything you saw in practice that led to giving Fenwick the ball 18 times, and how will his performance today affect well, you know, you always got to be ready when your number's called. And things didn't go very well. And I told our football team this in the locker room. You know, things didn't go very well for Deshaun. You know, he's got Rico's playing. I'm talking about when we started game planning for our first ball game. And, and Rico's playing, Feaster's playing, Mon Denson's playing. 
you know, Kevin Harris is emerging and Deshaun's in that fourth or fifth role, which we were one back team. So it's kind of hard to find your place and, and actually came to me and talked about, you know, transferring. And I told him, I said, you know, you need to stick this out. You know, you really do. And I said, good things are going to happen. You're a talented guy and you just need to stick it out. You know, life's not fair all the time and things don't always go your way. And I told him, I talked to him about just, just in general life of being a husband and being a father and things go against you and you, you, you can't quit. You got to sometimes stick it out. You can't just take your ball and go home. Uh, and that's, that's the way our world is nowadays. You don't get your way, I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home and go somewhere else. And he stuck it out. And I pulled him up in front of the whole team and I told the whole team that. It's a great example of a guy that just kind of sticks it around, continues to work, and when his, when his number's called, he played well. He did a nice job. So, you know, hopefully get some more opportunities as we continue to move forward. But, you know, great example of a guy that just actually handled adversity and fought it a little bit. It's really neat. Um, at, at what point did you kind of settle on getting to carry on in as much as he did today right. and, and just how kind of good was that to use him that much after he had well, to sit gonna, out? We're going to continue to use him. I just the last two weeks he hasn't been healthy enough. It was totally an emergency situation. He was going to have to be a pocket passer and hand the ball off. It was not going to be a run was not going to be a, an option. He was healthy enough to be able to do those two things but not run the ball. And so we had that discussion going into the, uh, the Florida game and the Tennessee game. Uh, so we've been able to move Jay back to receiver to give him some looks there, which he can help us there. And, um, and to, you know, we've got to continue to expand to carry on's package. We've got situations where they'll be on the field together. Uh, so we'll continue to, to, to do that moving forward. Sometimes it's hard when a young player misses a lot of practice time. It's difficult. And that's been a little difficult. Make sure you all check Gene's analytics for me. Coach, it's back off. All right, Shane, if you missed it there, <laughs> Muschamp was asked earlier in the week why Ryan Helinski doesn't run the ball, and the analytics suggests all this where they need to run the quarterback and all this. Well, he took off for a 14-yard gain, so Will Muschamp threw in that shot at that guy. But uh, <laughs> I just love when, when Muschamp's in a good mood, Shane. He's, he's delivering some money quotes for us. Yeah, he is, man. I like seeing Muschamp happy, you know? Uh, angry Muschamp, you know, he's he's not as, he's not near as fun. Mm -mm, not at all, Shane. All right, Shane, let's move it along to the uh, non-conference games here. Let's start uh, on Rocky Top. Tennessee took care of business against UAB 30-7. to This one was uh, never in doubt here. Uh, Bryce Thompson, huge game, three interceptions. Uh, that's the most since... They got since Deion Grant back in the 90s. So it was a hell of a day for the defense. They nearly shut out UAB. UAB scored with, uh, I want to say, five and a half minutes left in the game. That was their only points of the game. And I don't know if you know this, Shane, but uh, old Jarrett Tano, he had surgery <laughs> on his hand last week. Uh, he came in and he they've, they've got a real weird quarterback situation, Shane, where they're, they're starting Shroud. And then they bring in Jarrett Tano immediately, who had a he had a procedure done to his hand. I don't know if you know that, Shane. And uh, he he was thirteen of twenty one, one seventy four touchdown. He had a really bad interception, but uh, he did have a procedure recently. He had a cast on his hand, and uh, that may have played a part in uh, he had surgery on his hand. Wasn't that the worst commentary ever? <laughs> 
You know, it's a shame this isn't a video because we could just zoom in on his hand the entire time we're talking about the Tennessee game because that's what it felt like. These guys are literally next to each other. One is saying Garantano and one is saying Geritano. And it's like, can you not look at each other and say, hey, wait a minute, we're pronouncing this differently. Maybe we should talk about it. Even at halftime, you know, and get this straight. No, we're going to make our own thing. And then they come out with freaking – uh, what was it? Uh, the, the, juice, juice? the juice man. <laughs> juice man. <laughs> I've never heard. I've never heard Juwan called the juice man. And then they played the little video, and Juwan's. You could clearly see he's just playing. You know, he. Did, I don't. I don't think he expected that video to get out because he was clearly hitting on that woman. You know what I'm saying? Juice man. That's, who makes their own nickname? You know. Uh. Anyway, so. Back back to this 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 game. This game was good. Uh, if you like defense, I thought the defense was fantastic. I thought Bryce looked really good. I thought the pressure. I mean, we we shut these guys down literally in every category. That's what you want to hear because I mean, this was an offense that was able to move the ball. I mean, they were six and one coming into this game. Again, another stat we were reminded ten times uh, Saturday about. But the thing. That, that kind of drives me nuts, Mike. And I don't want to bash the kid because he's got a big heart. But Garantano is, is not the answer. I don't understand why JT Shroud had such a short leash, but Garantano doesn't. It's like when JT makes a, a mistake, he's yanked for quarters at a time. But when... G- uh, Garantano makes a mistake. He's he's scolded on the sideline, and the cameras see it. But that's it. He's back in the next series. He, Garantano is like, have you ever got a flat tire, Mike? Mm-hmm. And, and then you go to replace it, and uh, maybe your vehicle has one of those small donuts, and mm-hmm. you put that donut on there, and that donut's going to work for probably about fifty miles, okay? But there's going to come a point when that tire is no longer going to be able to support the weight of that vehicle, you're going to have another blowout on the side of the road. That's what Garantano is. He is a donut tire. He is able to be patched in and help win a few ball games, but he cannot be relied upon in some of these games that we got coming up in the future. If we do, they're, they're going to catch us, and we're going to end up on the side of the road watching the uh, bowl game opportunity slip right past us. Well, I don't know uh, if you know, Shay, he had a procedure on his hand. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't care how many screws he had in there, Wes. You know, yeah, if, I, it I, felt I, like Tennessee could have scored 50 in this game, only come away with 30. Uh, like I said, they had that bad red zone interception. That was the only turnover, but a lot of, you know, some missed opportunities, I would say. Who uh, threw that? Who threw that turnover? Jarrett Tano. Okay, okay, why didn't he get pulled? I, I just don't understand. It's like it's like he's got well, faith. Shane, they won by 30 points with him. I mean, I know – I see what uh, you're saying, but at the same time, I mean, I, 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 I think know. I think if you're – He did have some, he did I, have some I think nice if you're passes. Te- I think if you're Tennessee, Shane, this is the, the biggest takeaway from this game because it was a, kind of a very boring game. Yeah. But in years past, hell, even this year with Georgia State. But think back to last year, Shane, against teams like UTEP. And then two years ago, UMass. I mean, there's been 50 of these games in the last 10 years, it seems like, where Tennessee plays an overmatched team and they let them hang around and it's just ugly. And this mm-hmm. one, they just – and remember, this team was 6-1. and one. 
they just beat the hell out of them, and it was never in doubt, and they just took care of business. Yes, they probably could have scored 20 more points, but they didn't. But there was no drama, and I think if you're Tennessee, that's what you want. You want, when you're playing these teams that have no business playing with you, you just want them coming in, you know, the game's over at halftime, and then the second half, you're just basically running the ball out because that's that's all this one was. I sound like Auburn, don't I? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm never never good enough. You know. Anyway, I just thought that the defense did their job. The defense looked great. Uh, this offensive line had a few issues. It felt like Wanya, especially there on the side. You know, he had a few issues of letting some coverage get by him, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that that's something that they can they can grow and work on uh but kudos to the team man uab came in there they were scrappy there were some fights even during this game and these guys came out to play and and tennessee took care of their business and if it weren't for that garbage touchdown they would have pitched another shutout well let's kick it over to the last game here on the docket shane texas a&m takes care of uh, utsa texas san antonio 45 14 and I needed that uh, late pick six to cover the spread. I got it, so thank God for that. But a UTSA actually scored the first touchdown in this game. Mm-hmm. thought it was going to be a little interesting. They have former LSU quarterback Lowell Narcisse as their quarterback. I had, didn't, I had no idea he was the quarterback here. But then uh, fighting Jimbo, Shane, come out and score 45 consecutive, took complete control of this one, and that was thanks mostly to freshman running back Isaiah Spiller, who – I know it's UTSA, so we're not saying this kid's all SEC at this point, but he is really starting to come on. This was his fourth game in a row with more than 10 carries, and he's taken full advantage of it. 217 yards, three touchdowns. Two of them were by 50 yards or longer. I mean, he just took he, – he was the offense in this one. I mean, Kellamon had himself a very efficient day, 16 of 21, 211 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, but – uh, I mean, they just they they put it on their offensive line, and they just blew this team off the ball, and that's exactly <laughs> what you want to see if you're a Texas A&M fan. Yeah, man, this one. Hey, when it started out and he got that touchdown, I was like, uh-oh, we got ourselves a ball game. And then like two plays later, Spiller's running for a 60-yard touchdown. I was like, <laughs> all right, no longer a ball game. So those guys gave everything they had. And uh, Texas A&M just, I mean, they just poured it on. And that's what you like. You like seeing Mon not having to run for his life. I mean, he only had one yard rushing. That's that's what you want, man. Mon's there if you need him. But, you know, games like this, this is one that you need to rely on your running backs. And uh, Spiller had a hell of a game. True mm-hmm. freshman. I mean, this kid is – I mean, he – he made some great plays. I don't want to say it was all the offensive line. There was some there was some nice vision uh on the field too that got to these touchdowns and next level uh misses. So I really I really think they got something special down there with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Aggies found themselves running back. That's big. Uh, let's kick it over to Jimbo Fisher, Shane. I thought this was an interesting comment here. They only had three seniors honored, senior night. Comments on Isaiah Spiller. And then uh, the Aggies, they've got a they've got a bye week this week, but then they followed up with three really big games. Jimbo Fisher uh, hit on you know the stretch run here for the Aggies. Left. I'm going to guess you've never had a senior day where you honored three scholarship seniors, but what does that also say about the future of your well, program? Well, hopefully, you know, you know, our guys are out there. I mean, and, and they're playing a lot of young guys that get better, and if they keep developing, that means the future can be very, very bright. 
interesting. You know, Spiller really turned it on today. What do you continue to see, and how important was it on a day where you didn't use a lot of QB run to just line up, use 28, and run the ball? You got to. I mean, you got to be able to do it. And, and I think, but now part of that happens because people have to play the QB run. I mean, you, it, that's a gap that people have to play on the edges. They can't squeeze. They do some things. So that's going to cause some problems. So the more we can create that without the QB run is good. So when the QB run comes or the, the options off of that are good, it's a complete team thing. And I thought we blocked very well up front. Tight ends, receivers, everybody did a great job down the field. Christy? Uh, Spiller had three really long runs, and two of them were for touchdowns. How big of is that for, like, momentum and just kind of a shot in the arm? Well, it is. I mean, just when you can hit those one, especially we're down 7 nothing. Then, I mean, bang, 7-7. Seven, seven. Then later on we hit it. I mean, when you hit those one-play drives, it demoralizes people. I mean, it does. It takes the heart out of guys on the other side. It takes a mature team to bounce back for that. And, it, and uh, you know, on offense, it gives you that adrenaline, that shot and what you did, and we kept building off of it. He, he was the catalyst today. Coach, can you talk about uh, where you're at now going into another bye week with the last three to come? Well, hopefully we got great confidence in what we're doing. We can see that we're getting better in a lot of areas in which we played at, and you can see the consistency and hope that they can see it and understand why they are playing well. Because they know everybody says, why you play bad, you fix it. And when you play well, you got to repeat it. And you got to keep building on it and keep the same intensity. You can't let up. You can't relax. You got to reload. You can't relax. You got to reload. And you got to get yourself going because these last three, I mean, South Carolina's going to come in there trying to get Bo Welch when they got a great fo football team that defeated Georgia on the road. And you got to go to Georgia and you got to go to LSU. So you know, there's going to be three great games, and we're going to have to get better and better knowing that we're going to have three great SEC opponents coming in, but we got some great opportunities in front of us. Hopefully, we've learned from the past. All right, Shane. So things have not gone the way Texas AM fans probably would have wanted to start the season. We kind of all hit on that. But hell, Shane, I mean, they got South Carolina at home. Then they travel to Georgia, travel to LSU. Even if they go only two and one during that stretch, I think you got to look back at this year, considering all the youth. And hell, like Fisher says here, only three seniors, one of them's a punter. I mean, it certainly seems like the arrow is pointed up. And uh, I think this season, the second half, is going to be a lot better than the first half. And that's what you want. I mean, that's what they had last year. It's just going to continue that momentum to 2020. Oh, dude, let me tell you, they got a tough slate coming up, though, man. And you hate to see it because they are – it feels like they are getting better. But, man, they, with South Carolina, Georgia, and LSU here, rank those, Mike. If they were to beat these three teams in all likelihood, how would you rank their, their chances would you give, obviously, South Carolina first? Mm -hmm. Who would you say second, Georgia or LSU? I think Georgia because I think Georgia's going to be coming off a very physical game against Auburn. I know Auburn's offense is not clicking, but if they somehow find a way to score on Georgia, I mean, I'm not convinced the Bulldogs win that game. Even if they do, that's going to be a tough one. And then LSU... Probably going to lose to LSU, <laughs> particularly after last year, all the shenanigans there that went on in College Station. LSU is not going to be overlooking the Aggies. I don't care what their record is. So, I mean, miracles do happen. But, uh, yeah, I think I'd, I would go in that order. South Carolina, okay. Georgia, and then LSU. Okay, good to know. All right, Shane, last thing here before we jump off here, a little game we like to play for Monday morning show. Guess the week 11 lines. If you're new to the show, Shane and I predict the opening lines and then we reveal them. Uh, so let's start right there, Shane. Let's go Vanderbilt at Florida. What's your line there, buddy? Uh, Florida, 17 and a half. 
Ooh, I got this one, Shane. I said Florida favored by 20, and it's opened as uh, Florida minus 28. That's a that's a huge number right there. <laughs> I know Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's not great, but uh, that's a lot of points there. How about this one, Shane? Western. You think we'll see a, you think we'll see a fight this year? <laughs> Do you remember Dan and Mason going at oh, it last yeah. year? Oh yeah. I, okay. We may see we may see something. It seems like every week you're calling for the Gators to fight. <laughs> Western Kentucky at Arkansas. What'd you have here? Oh, Arkansas nine. What about you? I got this one too, Shane. I said Arkansas by six. I didn't think there was any way the Razorbacks were gonna be a touchdown favorite. Arkansas favored by two and a half. Oh my gosh, Mike! <laughs> this is if they drop this one. Oh my! They gotta they gotta fire Morris in the presser. I mean, they gotta just they've just gotta shut Seriously. it down. What time is this game? Please say twelve. Uh, I don't I don't I don't have that. Okay. I don't know. I'm not That's sure. Okay. Let's just pretend it's twelve and they have all day to talk about it. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> New Mexico State at Ole Miss. Who you got here? This one, I got Ole Miss 20 and a half. You got that one, Shane. I don't know what in the hell I was thinking. I said Ole Miss 13, and it <laughs> opened. Ole Miss favored by 31. I, I did not – got to be honest with you. I didn't do my New Mexico State research when I did this one. Uh, they have not won a damn game yet. No, I did. Well, I just remembered that – didn't they play Alabama? And it was like 50 or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Shane, how about this one? Missouri at Georgia. I got Georgia seventeen and a half. Oh, you you win this round, Shane. I said Georgia minus eighteen, and it opened to Georgia fourteen and a half. Mm. I gotta like the Bulldogs on that one. How about you? Yeah, that's that's nice. I like that. All right, Shane. How about this? Uh, our our favorite uh, weak division team, <laughs> Appy State at South Carolina. Who do you got favorite in this one? South Carolina eighteen. <laughs> Man, that's a lot of points for uh, Crappy State there, but uh, I hit this one on the on the head chain. I said South Carolina by four, and that's the opening line. Golly, they got like, that much love for oh Appy. Sounds like somebody's gonna be locked up the week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought eighteen, Mike. I kind of like that. Okay, go on. Tennessee at Kentucky. Who do you got here? Tennessee by three. Ooh, you were way off the mark, Shane. I said Kentucky by five. I get this one. It's Kentucky favored by three and a half. Jeez Louise. Yeah, I think uh, I with two weeks to prepare, I don't know. I just I can't see Tennessee being favored in this one. I can see them winning it, but uh, the betting favorite's definitely going to be the on Kentucky there. Yeah, I think we're going to see uh, uh, Brian, too. I think that they've been holding him back for this game, so that one kind of surprises me. All right, final game on the dock in here, Shane. LSU at Alabama. Who you got here? Alabama 7. Well, that's what I had because we already knew the line, and that's what it was. <laughs> we tied on that one. All right, Shane, we went a little long. I think that's going to do it, uh, unless you got anything else before we hop off here. No, that's it, buddy. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. It is extremely late. And uh, we got a fan. Everybody plays this week, Mike. Ain't nobody got bye weeks this week, do they? Yeah, uh, nope, that's, inco- that's incorrect, Shane. Auburn's on a bye. 
Uh, Ole Miss is on a bye. <laughs> Mississippi and Texas A&M. So we got three buys, but uh... okay, I was pretty close. <laughs> so we got seven games, though, right? Oh yeah, I saw no. seven, and I for some reason I put okay. All right, they're all conference games, so no non-conference shenanigans on this one. I'm I'm pretty fired up about it. Wait, they're not all conference. You got Appy State in there. Fuck. Man, like you said, it is late as hell. I, I, I damn near called Appy State a SEC team. Not yet, buddy. Not yet. They think they're there, but they're not. I think that's going to do it, Shay, before we say anything else that's incorrect. Thanks for joining okay. me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. What do you think needs to happen to kind of improve there? Uh, get better in the passing game. Yeah, Morris heard us talking, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I swear, it's like it's like every time you mention him, a damn garage door opens. I just think one day he's gonna get you, man. And I'm and I'm so far away, I can't help you. You know, I don't even know your address to call the cops to help. You know.